Amen. We just thank and praise God this morning for your presence. We thank and praise God for those that are online listeners. We just we just honor the Lord. We are so excited about what God is doing. Uh, this morning, uh, we we invite your attention to the book of Second Samuel's, Second Samuel's chapter number eleven. Our scriptures may or may not be on the screen this morning. We've had some people that run media that they're out today, so they're out of town. So we're going to work with what we have, so you just get your Bibles and you'll be able to, to follow. And we, we pray blessings on those that are listening online. We're so excited to see that you are uh, faithful in your listening. Now, God, God changed the word that he had for me, uh, that I had prepared I wasn't sure. I mean, I had prepared something about, you know, we're going through crisis and stuff. And and I said, okay, Lord, I said, maybe we'll continue because God began to bless us and began to honor us in regards to uh, the crisis he was teaching. And so last week, last week, as I forestated, he changed the word. And we're going to, like I said, going to the book of 2 Samuel's chapter number 11. And this is what the word that God gave me. I was standing, uh, preparing to get ready last Sunday um, for church. And I heard the word undercurrent, undercurrent. And I said, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And he's saying, I'm changing what you prepared. And I'm going to let you deliver what I want you to deliver to the people. And I said, okay, God. So the first thing that I did, I looked up the word undercurrent. God bless your word. Use me for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the definition for the a word undercurrent is an underlying feeling or influence, especially one that is contrary to the prevailing atmosphere and it is not expressed openly. And that is the definition for the undercurrent. And then the Lord began to reveal to me about a river. He says, the river, when you walk out to the river, the water seems to be moving very slowly. But there is a strange undercurrent that if you are, that if you are not careful, can quickly take you downstream. It can take you downstream. And it will take you far out of sight before you know it. And he also says this to me. He said, in the undercurrent, there are always hidden sinkholes. There are hidden sinkholes in an undercurrent. Always hidden sinkholes. And so I said, Lord, okay, now you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to give me some word to go with what you're telling me. And if God don't speak, I don't move. I don't, I don't act on it. I sit still for hours until I can hear what the Lord has to say. And I just listen to the Spirit. So he takes me to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 11, dealing with David. Now, David had been in battle for a long time, and, and then now they're a time of rest. But, the, but now what happened is it's a time when the kings have to go to battle. Now, 2 Samuel chapter number 11, and we are going to begin reading at verse number 1. Now, all these words have meaning, so you have to listen, be closely listen with me, because here we don't do surface teaching, we do deep sea fishing. Amen. 
we go deep into the word and see what the Lord has to say. Now, verse 1 says, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servant with him, and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, and they besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now, the word David, that the word David in, in Hebrew, it means beloved. The, the, the scripture says in the very first verse, it was a time when kings were to be going into battle. It was springtime. They had rested, but now was the time for them to go forth and lead their people in battle. But what David did was this. He sends Joab. Now, the name Joab means the building of eternal things. He didn't go himself. Now, he's the king. We're making the connection, so follow along with me. Joab means the building of eternal things. And verse 1, it goes on and begins to talk about how the first people they destroyed was the children of Anon. Now, the children of Adon, the Hebrew meaning there, it means an inbred in the natural. It means the birthing of offsprings through incest. And wherein, it's like where your relatives, close relatives or relatives begin to come together and have sex, sexual relationships. And so that was inbred in the natural meaning. But when it comes to the spiritual, the Lord says, uh, Ammon, Ammon means the crossing over of the flesh with the spirit. So the first thing that they destroyed was that, that spirit within us, that where the, you know how your flesh crossed over into your spirit and, it, and your spirit becomes contaminated? Well, see, that spirit has to be, it has to be destroyed because whenever God allows us to birth anything in the spiritual, whatever we have on the inside is going to be what's going to come forth on the outside. So that spirit had to be destroyed first because it was mixed. It was the flesh uh, that has connected or crossed over with the spirit. And the next thing it says, it besieged, it had to take control of Rabah. Now, Rabah, that word there means a potential or a powerful contention spirit within. We have spirits within us. And the reason why the, the spirit had to be destroyed, the spirit of Ammon, is because it has the, the potential to become great. And one thing we don't want is a contentious, great spirit on the inside. Because what happens there, it will take us to places where we do not want to be. Amen? Now, follow me close. Keep following me. Because we're going to get to understand about David and what's happening, especially about the undercurrent. Because there are hidden sinkholes under, in the undercurrent. Now, verse 2 says, And it came to pass in the evening tide. Watch this. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed. He walked up to the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now, what we want to look here at is the word evening tide. Evening tide. 
Now, that word evening tide is the time approaching darkness. It's the time approaching darkness. It's when the tides come in. It's in the evening. The evening word there should be meaning our, when we're in our best state. But at this point, David was not at his best state. He was at his evening tide. He in his spirit, in his spirit, he was declining in his spiritual walk with God. His evening tide. He was declining uh, uh, from his spiritual walk with God. And what was happening, his, he was descending. He was descending in his spiritual state. So watch what happens now when, when a person uh, descends in their, uh, in their state when the spirit, the flesh and the spirit has crossed over into darkness. When they're not at the, at the top of the game. Watch what happens. The, the word here, it talks about where he's supposed to be on duty. He's supposed to be leading his people because the, the very first verse tells us that kings went to the battle in the spring. Well, David didn't do that. He didn't go to the battle. He sent someone else. And now he's in, the, in that state of an evening time where he's de- declining spiritually. Have you ever noticed yourself sometimes declining spiritually where you're not where you used to be? And you're not, you know, and all of a sudden things changed in your life. So now he, he walks out and he sees this beautiful woman uh, washing herself. You know, um, one thing about the enemy, he does not want our, our souls or our spirits to be pure. So what he does, he finds an opportunity to be able to cross over into our spirit and bring about confusion in our life. He will show us something that we love. Can I get an amen? He will show us a something that we love, that our flesh loves, okay? Now, watch what happens now when he began to look upon that which is not for him. Verse number, uh, verse number three says this. Verse number three says, And David sent, and he inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now, there's two things that we need to look at. Now, we need to look at what is going on. Where is the undercurrent right now in this verse? Where is that hidden sinkhole that God is revealing about David? Now, before we do anything uh, out of the will of God, God will reveal to us where our sinkhole is or where the undercurrent is. If you would, let's go to the book of James. Let's go to the book of James. We always do things from Scripture. Keep your place in Second Samuel because we're coming back to Second Samuel. Now, let's go to the book of James, chapter number 1. Chapter number 1. New Testament, but the book of James, chapter number 1, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 13. Are we there? All right. The undercurrent, the hidden sinkhole, something that he had not dealt with, we're going to find right here in verse number 13 in James chapter number 1 in the New Testament. All right, verse number 13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. 
Verse 14 says, but every man is tempted, watch this, when he is what? Drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Drawn away by his own lust. Now, the word lust there, it means longing for that which is forbidden. Longing for that which is forbidden. Now, verse number 15 says, Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. So what he was, what he was having to deal with was lust. His, his, that thing, that, that, that hidden sinkhole that David was dealing with was lust. Remember now, he's, he walks out, and he walks out on the rooftop. And when he walks out on the rooftop, he begins to see this beautiful woman. Now, he's out of position. He's out of place because that was not where he's supposed to be in. But if we have not killed those sinkholes that we have on the inside, it would take us farther and farther away from God, just like the river. Remember, you say you look at the river, it appears to be moving slowly, but the farther you go into the river, if you're not careful, those hidden sinkholes will pull you under. They will pull you under. And so God revealed what David's sinkhole is. Lust. Now, I, everybody knows their own sinkhole, right? Amen. Can we get a witness on that? Everybody knows what they, their own sinkhole. Now, some people will like say, well, it's, the sinkholes might be alcohol. It might be adultery. It, it might be drugs. It, it, might be, um, it might be sexual, you know, just sex crazy or whatever. But, you know, sometimes those sinkholes could be gossiping. Amen. Those sinkholes could be uh, uh, eating too much or uh, 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 pornography. I mean, there's a whole lot of different types of sinkholes. Amen. And sometimes God revealed to me, he said, sometimes those sinkholes, brother, could be being too busy, not being in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And I, I don't know why churches get this understanding that the more busy you are, the more closer you are to God. Oh, my, when do you have time for God? When do you have time to sit in the presence of God to hear what God says? So there are a lot of different sinkholes. Sometimes the sinkhole might be the love of money. <laughs> you can't get enough money. You're always working. You're always working and giving God no time. That's a sinkhole. And it will take you farther and farther and farther away from God if you do not develop a relationship with God or be in the presence of God. But before we go there... One thing God will do, God will provide a way of escape. See, thank you, Holy Spirit. Let, let's, let's, let, you remember in verse number three, it talks about how they identified who Bathsheba was in 2 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 11. They identified who, uh, there was a gentleman that identified who Bathsheba was. They identified who she was. But the thing is, when they talked about Bathsheba, let me give you the, the definitions of, of Bathsheba before we go to this other scripture. Now, the word Bathsheba in the Hebrew it means the builder, or he's talking, he talks about the daughter of uh, the daughter. Uh, Bathsheba means fulfillment, and uh, it's, it's the builder 
of satiety, which means, shalatai, which means the builder of satisfaction, the builder of fulfillment, or the gratifications beyond capacity. David had a void. He was not being gratified because he was walking in a dark place. He was not being satisfied because he had strayed away from God. He was in his evening tide. He had strayed away from God. And it also began to identify who, who, once again, about Elam, which means it's a builder of God's people. And it says the wife of Uriah. Now, when you're talking about the wife of Uriah, is the soul ties of the I am that produces the light. That's what Uriah means. Uriah means the, Lord, it's the soul ties of the light of I am with the light, and the Lord is my light, or the Lord is my fire. So, in all that being said, they began to reveal to David. That is, it is the fulfillment by Sheba. What he wanted was the fulfillment of God, of those things that would satisfy God. And then also, uh, the Lord is my light, which means Uriah. Now, David did not hear. As even the God warned him, David still did not listen. He said, no, you don't, when you, thank you, Holy Spirit, when you are dirty in your spirit, you don't want to touch uh, the light within you. You don't want to touch the light because it will destroy what you have on the inside. Now, watch how God warns us before we go to a place we should not go. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, New Testament. Are we going too fast? Are you still with me? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians Chapter number 10. Keep your place in Second Samuel chapter number 11. Keep your place there. But let's go to First Samuel. No, I mean First Corinthians, excuse me. First Corinthians chapter number 10. Slow down, Brenda. Amen. Amen. I get excited, you know. This word is turning over on the inside. First Corinthians chapter number 10. Looking at verse number 13. Even before we go do what we do, God has already put it in our hearts and minds, and he's already warned us. Verse number 13, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But watch this. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will, with the temptation, also make a way to do what? To escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now, what he's saying here now, he said, before, the Holy Spirit will always warn us before we go wrong. Can I get an amen? Am I the only one ever been there? That's gone over the Holy Spirit after he spoke to you. Amen. It says that, and, and, and temptation. He says now, in the very act of temptation, he says, God, who is faithful. Now, we can trust God. We may not can trust man, but we can trust God. 
He said, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able to bear. Sometimes we say, oh, I, I, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't bear it. No, the word of God says God is faithful and he's able to take us and, and rise us above that temptation. And then he goes on to say, but with, but will, will is a promise word, but will with the temptation. With the temptation, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. With the temptation, that's what the word of God says. With that temptation, God will provide a means of escape. So there is no excuse. Well, you know, some people say, oh, the devil made me do it. No, the devil ain't made her do nothing. Can I get a amen? Devil didn't make us do that. We did that because we wanted to do that, right? Yeah. But, but the word of God says now that he will provide a way. There is a door. There's a, and, and oftentimes, you know, sometimes I talk to Minister Tom, and, we, we, and we, there's a common uh, denominator that we, we, we're connected with. And we always talk about praying for people in that, so they can have that moment of clarity. See, we have to have a moment of clarity in order to be able to find that way of escape. Because, see, the flesh is on fire. The flesh wants what it wants. Amen. But we have to be able to capture that moment of clarity. It's, it's a, thank you, Holy Spirit. It's a brief window. It's a small window. And if you're not careful, you'll miss that window. And so he says, with the temptation. Whose word or whose report we're going to believe? Is it God's or is it ours? Amen. He says with that temptation, he will provide a way of escape. I will believe the report of the Lord. Amen. Whether I go over uh, what God said or not listen to the Holy Spirit, I still have to believe what the God's words say. The, the fault is not in God. The fault was in the individual. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. It's an individual. Now, let's go back to 2 Samuel. So much, it's just so much here. It, it, it is so much here. It's so much here. It is so much here. It's so much, so much, so much, so much here. In 2 Samuel chapter number 11. Now, David ha- ha- has been in a place where it's been revealed to him who Bathsheba is. That, 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 that spirit of gratification, that spirit of fulfillment, that spirit of satisfaction. But he did not hear because he was in that evening tide state. He was declining spiritually. Watch what he says now in, in, in verse, number, verse number four. Verse number four. Verse number four, it says, And David sent messengers, and he, what? he took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. Verse 5 talks about the, how she conceived. It said that the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. You have to be very careful what you put your hands to because you might birth something. Amen. He... Now, in the midst of their sin, in the midst of the sin, there was a birthing. There came an offspring. Amen. Now, watch the cover-up. Have you ever did something wrong? You don't have to say amen or you don't even say no or nothing. You don't have that expression. 
and you tried to cover it up. And you did anything wrong. I haven't got too many people saying they, you know, had that, you know. But we know if you've done something wrong, sometimes we try to cover it up. I'm going to watch, watch. I'm going to deal with, I'm going to stick with David, okay? I'm going to stick with him, amen? Because, you know, we church folk don't like to be honest. We don't like to be honest, amen? We think our stuff is covered, but our stuff is not covered because God will uncover us, amen? Now, but, uh, look at, let's look at, let's look at now, uh, verse number, verse number five. Talks about she conceived, you know, and, and she, they brought forth a child. Watch what David does. Watch what we do. Amen. We're going to put us here. Amen. Verse 6 says, And David sent to Joab, which, which is that builder of eternal things in us. See, sometimes we think we can use the spirit, <laughs> and especially when we're wrong. We can't use the spirit. There's no way you can use the spirit. So he sends forth, he said, And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah, the Hittite. And Joab sent to, to Uriah, uh, to David. Now, he says in verse 7, And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. He plotting. He plotting. Look, in his cover-up, he plotting. <laughs> He's plotting now. He's plotting. He sends for the one that builds eternal things. You know how sometimes we get in a mess. Oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. How we get in a mess and we start praying and asking God to get us out of the mess. And he's already warned us. And he's so gracious and kind and merciful. He's already warned us before we got in the mess. Then after we get in the mess, now we want God to help us out of the mess. Anybody been? Okay. Amen. We, been, we all been there. We, we, all, we all been there. So he sends for Joab. And he says, send me Uriah. Now, we have to understand now that when he sends for Uriah, uh, he had a purpose in mind. He was trying to cover up his sin. He was trying to cover up his sin. All right. Now, and Uriah meaning the Lord is my light or my fire. Okay. He sends for him. As he sends for him, then verse 7 says, and, and when Uriah was coming to David, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. Verse 8 says, And David said to Uriah, Go down, watch this, to thy house. Wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. He is really putting it together as if he was concerned. As if he was concerned. He, he take, now he just laid with the man's wife, slept with the man's wife. And, and, and it's just like how the, the dirty flesh sleeps with our spirit. He, he, he had just done that. And now he's trying to cover that sin up. You know how sometimes we can... You know, sometimes we, when we mess up and we sin, we, we try to use the things of God to cover us. Now, the, the, but it can't happen. God will expose. He will reveal. He prepares a meal. He sends that with him, um, making it appear that he was so concerned about what was going on. Now, this is what happens when we are in our declining state spiritually. Amen. Now, verse number 9 says, But Uriah, which is the, is the Lord is my light or my fire, but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house 
with all the servants of his Lord, and he went not down to his house. In other words, his little plan didn't work. He was trying to get him to go back home and lay down and sleep with his wife, but that didn't work. He had more righteousness and pureness in him than the, oh my God, than the king did. He would not do that. He went and he slept on the king's step. He would not go down there. Now, keep your place now in 2 Samuel. I want you to go with me to Proverbs chapter number 28. Amen. Because I want to show you things in the scripture. Amen. I don't like pulling nothing out the air. I don't pull nothing out the air. I listen to the Lord. Proverbs chapter number 28, Old Testament. Proverbs, right after the book of Psalms. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 13. We're talking about the undercurrent, the, the hidden sinkholes. Watch what verse 13 says. Verse 13 says, he that, y'all, everybody there? I'll make sure everybody's there. It says, he that covereth his what? Sins shall not, ooh, prosper. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But then it says, but whosoever confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. What David did was, he forsook his mercy because he was trying to cover his sin. When we're in a declining uh, condition, when we're approaching the darkness in our life, the evening tides, sometimes we cover up our sin. And when we, do, when we do that, we have to understand what the Word of God says. See, the Word of God has an answer for everything that we do. The Word of God says that he who covereth up, and that's what David did, covereth up his sin, he say he won't prosper. You won't gain. Have you ever wondered why we keep, sometimes we keep losing and keep losing? We, well, thank you, Holy Spirit. When we do an examination of our own lives, sometimes we don't go to go the whole, whole page. We don't go the whole plate. We just go so far, right? We, we just go, <laughs> thank you, brother, for laughing. You're you, you feeling me. You're understanding me. Amen. We, we only go a certain part. We don't go to the part that exposes us. Amen. To make us see ourselves in the mirror. Amen. You know what's that song about the man in the mirror? <laughs> We've got to look at the man in the mirror. Okay? That's sad. We have to look at the man in the mirror. We've got to look at the whole thing regardless how difficult it may be. But then it says, he who forsakes that sin, when God exposes to us that sin, he says, you're going to gain mercy. Listen, I'd rather have mercy than to continue to sin. Amen. And the reason why, because that's going to come a day when I'm on every day. I'm, I'm needing mercy. I'm needing mercy. But he said, if you forsake that, he said, well, what will happen? He says, you're going to gain mercy. And I thank God because God's word tells me that his mercy is new every morning. And I do not want mercy to forsake me in the time of my need or in the time of my distress. Amen. Now, going back to 2 Samuel. Chapter number 11. Let's, let's continue the story here. Going back to 2 Samuel chapter in number 11. All right? Leaving Proverbs now. You understand that about that cover-up. When, when we're in that dark place in our life, we will continue to operate in that cover-up unless the Holy Spirit intervenes and we acknowledge where we are. 
We acknowledge our sins. You know, the, it's important that once we acknowledge our sins, God said he will wash us. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we do that. Now, going to verse number 12. Let's go to verse number 12. We're almost done. Amen. Verse number 12 in Second, Second Samuel chapter number 11. Because we want to look at that sinkhole, that undercurrent, is what the Lord says. Now, verse number 12 says this. And David said to Uriah, see, what happened was when the first plot, cover-up, didn't work, he went to another. He had another plan. He had, that's the way it is with Satan. When his first plot against our lives doesn't work, he always come up with something else. Amen. Now, here it is with David in verse number 12. It says, and David said to Uriah, because he wants to, see, Satan wants to take out our light. He wants to take away the light that we have of God on the inside. He wants to take away our fire, to be on fire for God. I mean, are we still on fire for God as we were the first time we got saved? Are we still on fire for God? Is our light still shining for the master? So here, David says, now he's continuing with his plot because the first one didn't work, okay? Because he knew he had done wrong, and he's about to get caught, okay? Now, verse 12 says, And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will set thee, I will let thee depart. Tomorrow meaning the next season. Then he says, so Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. He was in a place of peace in that season. He was in a place of peace. Now, the light is always in a place of peace. Watch, watch the plot. Verse 13, because see, that was a scheme going on. Verse 13 says, and when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him. And he made him what? Drunk. Do you not know Satan likes to into- get us intoxicated? Into- I'm not talking about intoxicated with, with the, the natural means of wine and stuff. Intoxicated in our minds. Because if he can get us intoxicated in our minds, he got us. When, 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 we, are, when we cannot understand or, uh, or there's no clarity, then if we're intoxicated, we can't hear what the Spirit is saying. So what he does now, he says he gets them drunk. And then he says it. At evening, he went out to lie on his bed with a servant of his Lord, but went not down to his house. Even though the king did his best with another plot to get the the man of God, the the light, the fire, even though he could not get him to, uh, to sleep with his wife, he gets him intoxicated where his mind is messed up. But yet the oh I hear Holy Spirit. Yet the the Spirit overruled what was going on, even though he was not uh, in a state of uh, uh, as far as his body in intoxication. But yet the Spirit, when your mind is messed up, because that's what happened with Uriah, his mind was messed up, but not to the point he did not know what he needed to do. What he did was he did not go down to his wife's home because that's what the king expected. The king expected. What he did is the Bible says, and at evening, in verse 13, the latter part, and at evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servant of the Lord, with the servants of his Lord. 
So what he did was he didn't he he gathered with his other friends. He would not become a partaker of an oh there's a scripture in the Bible that says, Be not a partakers of another man's sin. That's what the word says. Be not partaker. Even though the spirit knew and, and Uriah did not know what was going on, yet the spirit would not allow him to become partaker of David's act, David's sin. Okay? And watch what he does. Watch the, how, the, how the cover-up continues. But he wouldn't, Satan will try to get you to do some things, I tell you. But it, it won't work. When the spirit overrides what the flesh is doing, that, that's amazing because that's what happened there. His spirit overrode uh, uh, his physical uh, uh, anatomy of what was happening in his life. Verse number 14 says this in Second Samuel chapter number 11, and we're almost done. It says, and it came to pass in the morning, morning means breakthrough, that watch, watch the devil because the devil will get you to do some stuff. It says, and it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and he sent it by the hand of Uriah. Let me read this other verse before we begin to speak. 15 says, and he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hardest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. You see the devil. He, he gave him his, his death sentence. He gave Uriah his death sentence. He, he, the, David, the king, but he was in his fallen state. That's why he did what he did. He gives, he gives Uriah the, the death sentence. He puts it in his hand and tells him, go give it to Joab, the eternal builder. And when he does, he tells him, now you put him, in other he was saying, put him on the front line. And it was in the hottest battle. How many know Satan want to knock you off? We are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. If Satan is, is doing the things that he's doing in our lives and, and we're getting caught up in, on the sinkhole after sinkhole, what's happening is you've got something that Satan's afraid of. So when he puts it in his hand, he tells him, now, this is your death sentence. He said, you tell Joab, you, you tell him now, you need to get on the front line. Every time you get in the front line, you're guaranteed to be hit. You're going to be hit in the front line. He said, but put him in the front line because what he wanted for him to do was to make sure he was dead. He couldn't get him to fall into his plots, his cover-ups, so now he's going to take his life. How many of you know that Satan's out to take your life? He's out to take your life. He is out to take your life. Sometimes we say, well, I, I don't, it don't matter. I'm, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm, I'm insignificant. No, no. When Satan is wearing you out and you keep falling into sinkhole after sinkhole after sinkhole, that means you've got something that Satan's scared of. You have a power and anointing that God has placed within you and upon your life that the enemy wants you gone. He wants you gone. He wants you dead. That's, that's how that operates. That's how it operates. And, and if you are not careful, we will follow the deeds of Satan. Because, see, there are many people out there that are lost. There are many people out there lost. And we hold what they need. We hold the antidote in our hand. 
because God has placed that on the inside of us. He puts him on the front line and he dies. Watch what he does next. Verse 16. It says, And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that the valiant men were. Satan knows those men that are powerful and women that are powerful and anointed. He knows where they are. And he knows where to put them because he wants to knock them off. It talks about in the battle that once he's dead, he comes back and he tells the king what has happened. And then, this is what David did. did. Going to verse number 27 in 2 Samuel chapter number 11. It says, and when the morning was past, David sent and he fetched her, talking about Bathsheba, to his house. And she became his wife. She bears him a son. But the thing that David had done, it displeased the Lord. When we, don't, when we allow the enemy to allow us to continue in that place that not on the current, and we begin to operate new things that's out of the will of God, it displeases the God. But the thing is, this is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. Next week, God's will, we're going to go to part two of the undercurrent. Because we need to know what happens when it comes down. Because, see, whenever we're caught up in that sinkhole and we begin to go down, and we keep going down, 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 the undercurrent, the sinkhole, will keep taking us farther and farther and farther away. When it displeases God, consequences comes with the displeasure of God. God's will next week, we're going to deal with some of those displeasures that God has. The undercurrent. This is undercurrent part one. And I'm excited about the undercurrent part two. Amen. Because I, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, God, oh God, I, 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 I don't understand this. I, why you take me this way? You know, I, I, I got something else prepared is what I told the Lord. But the Lord said, no, you deal with them sinkholes. Hidden sinkholes. They're hidden from us. So now God has exposed that there are some sinkholes and they are hidden and we have to make sure that we are watching every step that we make. The undercurrent, hidden sinkholes. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for his word. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I thank you. I thank you for lending me your ear. Amen. I thank you. We try to bring what's in the, in the written. I always say this is, this is God's mind on paper. Give you God's mind on this, on, this, on this paper here to let you know what God is saying about situations. And I'm thankful and I'm grateful, uh, praise God, for your ear, your listening ear. And I pray that the word stirs within our spirit because I never leave my own self exempt. Uh-uh. No, no. We, we always included. We, we are inclusive with everybody. And we are just so grateful for his word. Please meditate on God's word. Meditate. Meditate and ask God, God, what is the sinkhole I've got? What, what am I dealing with? I need your help to help me deal with this. And you know what? God is faithful. He will help us. Amen. Amen. I, I, think, I thank and praise God once again. Let's give God a hand count for praise. Amen. For his word. Amen. The undercurrent. Amen. I want to share before we uh, go into prayer and dismiss, I want to share once, once again for those that <clears throat> wasn't present during a time of talking about the Bahamas. We are 
um, gathering up aid, um, relief aid for the Bahamas. <clears throat> it will be going to Albacore, uh, the hardest hit area. Uh, we've connected with a ministry in North Carolina that has already taken over two loads, in fact, 